Hello and welcome to the second instalment of the Extra Canada podcast brought to you by We Love You Arsenal Productions. Uh, we, we were considering bringing in a, a few guests today, but uh, guess what? Alfie and Daniel have let us down, so uh, you don't have to with uh, withstand the, the horrible voices of those two. Luckily, you've, you've just got me and Mac again today. Um, thanks for all the support on last week's show. Uh, we're really proud of the start we made it. We made sorry, and um, yeah. Anyway, on to introducing the man who will always be the usual suspect on this podcast, Mac Johnson. How are you today, Mac? I'm uh, I'm doing all right. I think the key word, Rob, there is certainly suspect because <laughs> this is, you know, this is a lovely show. And as much as I would have really enjoyed getting Daniel and or Alfie on, it's just, it's lovely to get to know you, mate. I love, I love every conversation we yeah. have. So I'm glad we get another one just to ourselves for a little bit. Yeah. Isn't it lovely? Anyway, uh, a bit of a flavor of, of what you're going to get today. Uh, as there's no midweek fixture, there's nothing to really report on per se. But um, we just thought we'd, we'd do a little preview for the, the Burnley game today, um, which is which is on Saturday. Arsenal travel to Turf Moor for, for the early kickoff at, at 12.30. Um, and yeah, it's it's always a place that Arsenal tend to struggle notoriously really and uh it will be interesting to see how uh how different it is without uh the, the what can only be described as the pleasant Burnley fans in the stadium um what what are you what are your thoughts ahead of, ahead of the game Mac um uh, it's always a weird one isn't it I Burnley? mean at base it's Burnley you know they lost what was yeah. the score I think was it four it was something ridiculous yeah. to Spurs you know um, like you they're be bad to lose that. Much oh my god! It's just they're 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 as per usual, and even worse than they have been in previous years. They are in the mud. They're just they're fighting for relegation, yeah. and as you know, per always, they are defensively resilient. They sit in their low block. They occasionally struggle to score goals. I think they're really really missing Jeff Hendrick, um, who's now at Newcastle. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's going to be a pretty average game, I think. Um, I mean, in the same way that we have a little bit of an advantage almost sometimes when we play Leicester, um, in that kind of same way, I think we do tend to be on the back foot against Burnley because we just mm. struggle to get through them. Um, and there, I think it was Josh Brownhill, their number eight, was just a pain yeah. in the ass last time we played them. He's so annoying. He sits right in the middle. He doesn't allow any access to the number 10 and he sweeps up everything. And now that it's a trip away, you know, home and away doesn't really matter without fans. But, you know, there's always that little extra something special at Turf more that it's just very frustrating to play against. So, you know, I'm predicting that it'll be a Burnley game, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get what you mean. You're right. Burnley do have a few... They don't have very many players who are blessed with great technical quality, but they've they've really got a few workhorses in in, in and around that camp. Uh, Ashley Westwood springs to mind as well. You can swing in a good corner, as as we know, and as we saw in the in the return fixture when a uh, Aubameyang unfortunately nodded the ball into his own net. That was God. Don't a remind me, run. man. That was painful. <laughs> um, I guess the players will be looking for for revenge and. You know what, Mac? With with the amount of sort of creative quality we've now got with uh, Erdegaard in the team, we've got a few players back in form who weren't in form back then. I oh, I'm feeling a lot more confident going into this one. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Martin Erdegaard plays. Actually, now I mention oh, that's it, so true. you know, it's a really physical physical game, isn't it? Uh, Did you think he could be an important player for us on Saturday? Um- I think he could be among the most important players. And I mean, he is, and for this reason, you know, he's not the most physical player. He likes to operate in space. But even from when we first, I say signed him, you know, borrowed him, um, it was pretty (laughs) clear that his teammates trust him in open play. and But also trust him, you know, to have those like back to a defender in a tight space, wriggle out and find a pass, which is something he does so well. And if we're going to be able to retain possession and kind of keep the ball circulating against Burnley, I think he's going to be key to that mission, especially if we have to play a slower, you know, potentially more touch-oriented player or two at the base of the midfield. Hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's an interesting one, really. Um, talking about Erdegaard, I guess that's a nice little through ball onto general team chatter. Um, it's fair to say Mikel Arteta will have a few uh, dilemmas on his hands, which, which is nice. Um, really, he's got to find a balance between um, bringing back those players who performed really well in the Europa League and also trying to encourage those players who perform well against Leicester last week that, you know, if they perform well, they can they can grab a place, which I think a few of them deserve to keep after last week. Um, and also, he, he has to keep in mind that we've got Olympiacos next Thursday. Um, how do you think he will approach this one, Matt? Do you think he'll sort of carry on with what he went with last week at Leicester, maybe a mix of the team that sort of played against Leicester and played against uh, Benfica a couple of weeks ago. It, it will certainly be one to, uh, that I'm sure will cause a division in uh, the Arsenal fan base who just seem never seem to be happy with the lineup that comes out. I mean, yeah, I was about to say, I think every lineup is causing <laughs> division in this fan base just because we can't yeah. figure out what we want. And also, you know, I think for some reason a large majority of our fans don't understand that we played different teams every week and that might require a different <laughs> tactical structure. They just want to see the players they like on the field. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, so many risks were taken in that Leicester win and they all paid off. So I think yeah. that's a perfect illustration, if nothing else. But um, yeah, I mean, I think against Burnley, there will be a couple of key changes. Um, I would really, really like it if Willian didn't start, you know, he had the best mm. game of his career in an Arsenal shirt so far. And, you <laughs> don't know, spoil well, no, but like at the, at the same time, <laughs> right. I don't think resting Saka for two games is helpful to our cause. And I think Pepe on, I think Pepe on the left wing could be a really good force to get that verticality in behind the Burnley back line. Mm. Um, so, you know, continuing, actually, I would like to comment my almost flawless streak because I called the entire lineup against Leicester, like the really? whole change. Yeah, I was flawless. My, my, yeah, my dad texted me after yeah. listening to the first extra and he was like, you know, you got that perfect. And I said, well, OK, thanks, dad. But anyway, um, he listens to all our shows. He's he's a goddamn champ. But yeah, so I think. Oh, what a guy. Yeah, he's great. But um I think there will definitely be a little bit of rotation. Um, I would not be surprised to see Alba start up front again, just because I think we will need, especially against a low block where he's not going to get caught offside time and time again. We're going <laughs> to want his darting runs over the top. I think Arteta is very much going to prioritize that. Um, but I think the real kind of question spot that I'm having, and I want to really get your thoughts on this, is the back line. Because with the exception mm -hmm. of Tierney, duh, it can kind of go anywhere and there's so much competition in you know in and among those players what are your thoughts yeah well that was a we we really discussed in the in the main show on on monday about um sort of the partnerships that seem to be developing on the pitch we see cedric and pepe have a really good understanding um sort of Odegaard and Aubameyang and then smith rowe and lacazette so and we all agreed that really you don't want to be breaking up those partnerships because um you know you want these players to be gaining an understanding of each other and they gain that via playing with each other um but on the other hand there's competition and as you say especially in that back line Bellerin and Cedric is a really interesting one I tweeted before the game last week that I thought that um if Cedric put in a even a competent performance against Leicester, he would he would keep his spot because Bellerin has just been very poor lately. Uh, and I can see Cedric keeping his spot this weekend, especially against a really physical Burnley side. I, I can imagine if Bellerin started, he'd be really targeted. Um, and that's a common feature when we play against physical teams. They they tend to really go at Bellerin, which, which is understandable because uh, he's not the biggest the biggest guy uh, and he's he's definitely skinnier than he was a few years ago post and, and that's something that's definitely been noticeable post injury and then another area is Marie and Gabrielle um, I mean Marie was blamed for the first goal I think 
you know that that sort of eased since the uh, the first goal against Leicester. I think that sort of eased since the match. I think people have seen that El Nenny's positioning was poor, and and the same with Louise. And there were some really really tidy aspects of Marie's game. Uh, I like Marie actually, uh, but again, another tweet I sent out this morning was that I I think Gabrielle is the better defender. So yeah, it, it's all about finding the balance out out of those two positions I mentioned them right back and left centre back who would be your preferred starters Matt um I'm definitely with you on Cedric at right back um for a number of reasons Mm. the main reason other than what you've mentioned in that he is slightly more physical and just very low to the ground I mean you know you know no one's ever seen him and Jared and Shakiri in the same room just saying um (laughs) no they just kind of have that very similar like low center of gravity massive calves just that kind of you know very squat, very stout, yeah. very hard to get off the ball. And that'll be good. But um, the main reason I want to start Cedric is because Arteta has this vision of, um, and I think Max mentioned this in his piece, of you know yeah. a floating right back, similar to what Pep does with Joao Cancelo. But you know, someone yeah. who can kind of drift inside and play in the midfield and also play out wide. Um, Cedric is in out and out, you know, freaking chalk on his boots right back whether he's defending or attacking and Bellerin has this tendency to drift inside and I noted this in a couple of pieces he will even be inside of holding when holding is playing right center back and you know we just get mercilessly exposed off of our left flank Um, but also I'm not sure if you noticed in the Brighton game a while back uh, every single time they took a goal kick with the exception of two I counted Every single time they targeted the Bernardo, I think is their number 30 versus Bellerin matchup on the left side. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as, you know, Cedric is actually shorter, he is stockier, he's harder to beat, and he's a lot scrappier than Bellerin. Um, Mm. And I think with the prevalence that Burnley place on Dwight McNeil out on that left flank, you know, he is very much their creative centerpiece. He is the person that's going to be doing a lot of the flair and kind of going to be causing problems for our back line. I would much rather have a right back who is tasked and who is, you know, more inclined, frankly, to stay wide and mark him out there. Yeah, that that's a sort of a, a good answer to my question on, on that front, Mac. Um, is a really interesting topic of debate, which really has only been sparked because Cedric has forced his way himself into the conversation. I mean, barely played the first half of the season, and now he's he really is a regular. So that that's a testament to him. So many people had doubts, and now people recognise that he's a really valuable squad member, and, and I'm really glad uh, that he's making something of it. I like that you talked about the, the Cancelo role um, because... I find that that's so fascinating. Uh, I, again, I've referenced it in my own Twitter. I put that Cancelo is a football nerd's dream just because his the way he plays is just so, so fascinating. Uh, but I think that to be able to play that sort of role, not only do you have to be super intelligent, but you just have to be at the top of your game, I think. And as Max sort of illustrated in his piece yesterday um, or on Tuesday, I think, on Tuesday when it came out because this this show will come out tomorrow Um, regardless uh, I think that Bellerin isn't quite where he was pre-injury so perhaps he's just not at the required level to be able to play that role competently and we should maybe just stick with the the overlapping Cedric for the time being which which really helped uh, Pepe on the weekend didn't it so this is just another thought of mine um, if you're alright with it is um, in terms of that Joao Cancelo role as well, we saw Maitland-Niles do that yeah. at left wing back, if you recall. Yeah, we did actually. During our we? project restart. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of free-flowing off the left side. And one of the key aspects to that was that Bellerin was very much a stable force at right wing back, kind of an anchor point. Yeah. So, you know, if you want a drifting fullback, give that to Tierney because it's what he does best, frankly. Yeah. You know? He just plays left. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I remember you said that when you came on the main show a few times, how oh. how <laughs> Tierney is just left. He's nothing else. He's just left. And I love that. I love that he's got the engine to be able to get up and down and up and down. 
Yeah, it's a personal favorite. And then just, I suppose, quickly on left center back, um, it'll be a question of whether or not uh, Arteta wants to start Gabriel to get him up to match fitness for Olympiacos or wants to start Mari because he was very good against Leicester with the exception of, you know, backing off instead of challenging Tielemans because, frankly, the run of Jamie Vardy was there and that's yeah. entirely fair. Yeah. No, it is excusable, his uh, mistake. I guess, well, just before we move on and to look at some of the players that are currently on loan, uh, a bit of transfer news today. We've seen Fabrizio Romano speak about Tariq Lamptey and uh, Arsenal are said to be interested in him. With that in mind, do you sort of maybe give Cedric the reins at right back at the rem- for the remainder of the season, knowing that Bellerin's off, you know, this summer, I'm, I'm pretty certain he will be. I think ESPN reported that last week. Um, and and I think that's the correct move for both parties. Perhaps you give Cedric a bit more trust. and um, But then you also can't ignore Bellerin's technical quality. And, you know, I think on his days, the better right back. So how, how do we really approach that till the end of the season, knowing that we'll be have probably have a new first choice right back next season? Um, I think the best way to do that is just to let them fight, you know, let them duke it out. Let both of them light a fire under the other dude's ass and whoever comes out better comes out better. Um, We've seen it work time and time again with competition in the squad when Pepe was in a bad run of form, you know, you'd bench him for two games and he'd come out all cylinders firing on his return. Like, I think if Bellerin really is convinced that he has to fight for a place in this team, even though he might be leaving, whether it's to... PSG or Juve, the two most right back thirsty clubs in the entire world. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter where he's going, you know? If he is convinced that he has to fight for a starting role, then he'll fight and he'll play better. Um, in fact, before he tore his ACL, I think it was that Chelsea game, was his second game back mm-hmm. after a spell on the bench, and he was magnificent. I've never seen yeah. him run harder, you know? Um, it's just, it. It's 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 a little motivation. It's a little extra something, and I think, you know, if it'll get the best out of both players, then let it get the best out of both players. You know, one will be gone, and one will be a backup next season. So let them duke it out. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the way you've got to look at it, and that's fantastic. That's what we want in every position on the pitch. You want exactly. both players who are competing for a space to both be capable of being starters. Uh, and I think Bellerin and Cedric really are. I th- you know, I, I, lo- I love Bellerin, uh, but I think he is currently at a similar standard to uh, to Cedric in, t- in terms of his capabilities. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Um, and I, I love that Cedric is is now in competition uh, and really in contention. I'm, I'm really pleased for him. Uh, he's a player I always quite liked at Southampton. And uh, yeah, he's showing that, you know, a really valuable squad member anyway mac the floor is yours tell us about um players on loan at the moment all right so um you know our squad members who have found a little home away from home um i think the person (laughs) who's doing it the best at the moment is zek medley who will be a familiar name to all of those who have like looked at the arsenal squad on fifa because he's always on the reserves every year and just (laughs) never touches the first team um but he scored his first goal for Kilmarnock on Sunday. Um, he ta- he uh, scored a header at the back post. Um, and the crosser, you might remember the name, was Kyle Lafferty, who is a Northern Irish dude, I think played for Stoke. Um, yeah, I feel like he yeah, did. I he's, do he's an, old, that he's an old Premier League name, but he's now yeah. playing up in Ireland, which is super cool. Um, Sead Kolasinac and Dinos Mavropanos played each other. Um Mavropanos's Stuttgart won 5-1, five, five I believe. Kolasinac scored the only goal for Schalke, um, and Mavropanos played 90, the full 90, uh, which is very cool. Saliba played yeah. the full match as Nice beat Ren 2-1. Um, the only other thing to note about that game is that one of the goal scorers for Nice was Amin Giori, who I'm a, I don't know how to pronounce his name, frankly, but I'm a huge admirer of the kid. He's a French forward. He's nice. lovely to watch. Um, Guendouzi played 37 minutes as Berlin lost to Wolfsburg, um, replacing Sammy Kadira of all things, but you know, couldn't prevent that loss. Torreira played <laughs> eight minutes, um, in Atleti's win over Villarreal. He's not getting the time I wish he was, honestly. 
we thought he would be perfect for Simeone's setup, and he's just not playing. Um, no. Both Joe Willock and Maitland Niles uh, played their full matches with Newcastle and West Brom. Uh, Newcastle drew 1-1 with Wolves, and I think Connor Cody scored his first ever Premier League goal, which I think is hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, Maitland Niles played against West Brom when they beat Brighton. I'm not sure if you saw that game, but it was horrendous. Oh, um, yeah. 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 Glad I didn't tune into that one, but no. I saw the goal that was chalked off. Well, that yeah, was, the uh, goal that was chalked off, and they missed two penalties during the game. Yeah. It yeah. Was well back bad. of all people. Oh, it, it hurt yeah. to watch, but yeah. Um, and then, other than that, just some loan stuff from the academy. Uh, Harry Clark played for plays for Oldham right now. They beat Carlisle 3 1 in League Two. Uh, Matt Smith played for Charlton 45 minutes. They lost to Blackpool, who our other lone kid, Daniel Ballard, played for. He played the full match. Yeah. Nice. yeah. So that was, you Good know, that's our little loan roundup, but definitely exciting times, both for some of our vets out on loan and also for the Academy. Um, my favorite tweet that I saw was a link to an article that was Arsenal duo lead player revolution as Schalke goes their fifth manager this year. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that, that if you, amusing, if you have Kolasinac and Skodran Mustafi running your players organization, you need more help than you think, Schalke. I'm so sorry. Boys. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that their ex-boss uh, who supposedly the revolution got rid of uh, was saying if i could go back in time uh, i wouldn't have signed mustafi and kalaznat because yeah. if they're not good enough for arsenal they're not good enough for, for us and you know what if he had come to me and asked me whether they should sign those two i probably would have said yes because you know yeah, i'm an arsenal yeah. fan and i wanted them away get them if off I was a our hands. fan uh, i would have said no because those two are, are not uh, they're, well, they're not what you want incompetent yeah, yeah. um and i mean uh, to add insult to injury schalke took possibly the biggest l um juventus have cashed in on their full-term loan deal for weston mckinney so they have now yeah. signed him permanently for 22 million dollars <laughs> that's ludicrous yeah that's highway robbery like don't let your star kid go and you know personal bias because he's american and he's amazing but like don't let your yeah, best player go player, for twenty two yeah. million. Oh, yeah, painful, really painful to watch. I, it's crazy how Juventus do that. They get these magnificent deals, and Bayern seems to do it as well. All these massive clubs just get these ridiculously good deals, um, and and you know from a brand perspective as perspective as well, it's great that the, uh, Juventus have McKenny on their books. Um, one player. Um, obviously everyone knows about William Saliba, um, so we don't really need to talk about him. I'm pretty certain he'll come back next season and, and play a key role. But a player I did want to zoom in on that you talked about was Konstantinos Mavropanos. Yeah. Um, he's supposed to be having a really good season with uh, Stuttgart uh, under the watch of our good friend uh, Sven Mislintat, who's their head of football, the man who brought him to Arsenal initially. Do you see his future at Arsenal, or do you think that perhaps we're just we we just got a really valuable asset there that we can move on this summer because we are pretty stacked? Yeah, I mean we're stacked, um, certainly, and you know he could be moved on. The issue is he is a you know mid Bundesliga quality defender, which is to say that he is like a year or two of progression off of being Premier League quality, but he can still fetch a decent price. Um, I think, especially in a world where left-sided centre-backs are increasingly hard to get, he is definitely an asset in that regard. But, um, you know, I mean, he was touted by Wenger as the future of the defence, and I think if he comes back and Arteta likes what he sees, and, you know, with Mary is 27, Gabriel is young, but potentially giving Gabriel some competition in the future if he wants to keep Mavropanos around or send him out on loan. And God, look what the kid can do when he actually stays healthy, you know? Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think it genuinely depends, and this is me putting a lot of faith in the manager, but it just depends on what happens when he comes back. Um, 
And I think, frankly, the same with Matteo Guendouzi as well. He's a player that we haven't talked about much because he's no longer stirring up drama here. He's actually taking it to Germany and playing really, really well. Um, it appears that he might have learned some iota of discipline, which would be super cool. But, you know, um, I think with both of them, it'll be up to Arteta whether they say whether they stay or are sold this summer. That's a tongue twister. Ten times fast. Go. Anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. No. I think with Mavropinos, it's a really interesting one because I remember when he played for us, he's got really, not only got a really strong right foot, but also a strong left foot. So really he's capable of playing in either position, left-sided centre-back or right-sided centre-back. And that's always something that's attractive for a manager, especially Mikel Arteta, who likes to sort of have specific players in those roles. And if you've got one player who can do both, fantastic. That's exactly what you want. Um, so yeah, he, he'll be one to keep an eye on. Guendouzi's another interesting one supposedly he um, Arsenal are interested in bringing him back, but perhaps he may not want to come back. So yeah, that that's, that's one to really keep an eye on. But if we do have to sell him, it's important that we, um, that we do all we can to get a big fee for him because he's a huge talent. Anyway, enough of discussing players who were, aren't currently at Arsenal. Let's talk about some guys who are currently training at London Colney every day. Um, talk to me about Granite Xhaka, Max. Uh, sorry, not Max, Mac. Um, got confused with the, the X's in Xhaka. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless. Um, he has played a lot of football lately. Uh, he's, a, he's an absolute machine. Um, Daniel commented on, on one of my tweets uh, the other day saying he's probably the best engine at Arsenal. And and that's something that's really hard to argue with, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, even thinking about it, you know, he has spent a little bit of time on the sidelines for Arsenal, but usually it's for disciplinary issues, not because he's injured. Like, yeah. when's the last time you can remember him actually tearing something or actually going down hurt and like missing games because of a ligament issue or a muscle thing? The dude's just a tank. Like, yeah. no, no. and I mean, he is, I think, you know, you're talking about partnerships on the Monday show. Every single midfield partnership that we could possibly dream up right now is somebody and Jaka. Like, yeah. un unless you're going right. out on a total limb and maybe playing a double pivot of Partey and Ceballos, um, considering how it hasn't worked out with El Nenny. Ceballos, I'm not sure that'll have a chance of success, but you know, yeah, he brings steel, he brings energy, he brings stamina, and he brings composure to a midfield that has a lot of none of those things. <laughs> like, no, it's just yeah. um, he's a key component to Arteta's tactics, he's a key component to how we play, and unless we can find a reasonable replacement for him. I think there are a lot. There have been a lot of calls for him to go almost every summer, and he keeps proving his worth despite the disciplinary issues and despite the rash yeah. challenges, which I might add are occurring with increasing or decreasing uh, frequency. You know, they're rarely happening anymore. Yeah, I mean, his red card that he got this season was That's his true. first in like over 180 games, which was not his record coming to us. I mean, he had what like four reds in a season with Gladbach the year before we signed for us. Yeah. He's 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 a changed man, yeah. Rob. Oh, that's crazy. He he really is, and as opposed to the the red card stat, his the stat uh, which really we should all be clamouring over. Granite Shaka has played in twelve back to back games for Arsenal, completing the full ninety in every single one, despite the pack fixture list. That man is a. He deserves a lot more praise than he gets, um, and I know we we all know he has stupid moments. But um, yeah, I'm delighted for him the way he's turned it around since our last game against yes. Burnley. Actually, um, and uh, we'll be hoping that he doesn't act in a similar way on Saturday. Yeah. Um, sort of on the the other side of the coin, uh, we've got Reese Nelson who is playing absolutely no football. Tell me what you think about his situation, Matt. Um. Well, it's a really hard one to call because we have, we are also very winger heavy. Um, you know, out left, we have Saka, Pepe, Willian, Aubameyang, Martinelli yeah. sometimes. 
we'll get on him later. Outright, we have Saka, Pepe, Willian. Like, Nelson is fourth or fifth choice, and he's played, I think, three games in a row now for the U23s because Arteta is sick of having him on the bench without using him or needing to use him, you know? Yeah. Um, and he goes from... the point of putting someone on the bench if you're not going to use them? There exactly. is no point. I mean, and last season, he played a key, key role in a lot of our FA Cup fixtures. Um, you yeah. remember he had the assist to Socrates against Portsmouth, I think it was? Yeah, he was good that day. Yeah. He scored and then, against Leeds. Yeah, he had the goal yeah. against Leeds. Um, you know, he was crucial to a lot of those ties. Um, and then I remember when we had, I think it was Liverpool and City in the same week with the Liverpool in the league and then City in the cup. Uh, during Project Restart, he, I think, got a goal and an assist against that Liverpool side. Yes, off yeah. of two Van Dyke mistakes, but he's gone from a place of relative prominence and has found himself in the gutter. And honestly, I think part of it is the fact that there is just very little room for him in this squad with what Arteta has moving forward. And part of it is, I think, that he is flighty and he is, you know, can be insecure on the ball, can kind of dilly-dally making his moves. And in terms mm. of us, you know, Arteta especially demanding a more direct style, he might not be the best player to carry that forward. Yeah, it's it's sort of one which, another situation where it's divided opinion in, in the fan base. And some people think that Reese Nelson is it and he's going to be a huge player for us in the future and others just don't see it. I mean... My issue with Nelson is that I've seen glimpses of of what he could bring in the future. Uh, specifically on with on loan at, at Hoffenheim, he was really fantastic at times, but um, he's never really had that consistency with us. Uh, he's never done enough to justify uh, like consistent starts in the Premier League, and that's problematic. Uh, especially, I know that players like Bakayo Saka are unique. But even Joe Willock had a, deg- a degree of consistency about him when he played. So he's got a lot of work to do if, if he plans to uh, have a future at Arsenal. And of course, uh, I suppose there's got to be questions about his future come the summer. I mean, it's it's useless having this guy like, like waiting around doing nothing. Uh, you know, he's got had a lot of appearances for Arsenal. Uh, considering like English players, they tend to go for a lot. I reckon we could probably fetch upwards of 20 million for him so absolutely you know it, it's it's something the club have to really consider this summer and to be honest nelson has to put his name in the hat he might have been struggling with injuries or whatever this year but he's got to show that he's worth keeping because 100%. he's not not really doing enough at the moment and you know he's way too good to be wasting time in the under 23 so it's all about what he wants as well uh, but i'm sure the club will make the right decision with him so you say, um, yeah, you talk about making a decision during January, and I'll just kind of pause here, or sorry, during the summer. Yeah, spoiler. Yeah. Um, why wasn't there a decision made during January? We had we had Maitland Niles yeah. and Willett go out on loan. Um, and I know he was dealing with, I think it was a thigh injury during that time, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think sending him out on loan could have been a great move. We saw how good he was at Hoffentheim until he, uh, on at Hoffentheim until he got injured. You know, like. Yeah. He was electric. I think he had five goals in his first six starts or something like that. You know, he proves to the world what he can do. And then he either hits a run of bad form or just gets injured. And it's just, it's, you know, it's bad luck and it's bad fortune. But also, he needs to show that he has the mental fortitude to get over those obstacles and kind of keep going because that's what you need to play at a big team like Arsenal. Yeah. I think if we're we're really applying hindsight here, mate, he he should have gone in the summer. I mean, I know it's helpful to have him around for uh, last summer. I mean, and it should have been alone last summer because I know it's helpful to have him around for the Europa League. But that's not the level that really improves a player like him. Um, you know, at the end of the day, that's I'd like to hope those are the sort of games we signed Willian for uh, an aging player who uh, sort of a rotational guy. Uh, he, that's the sort of level I expected Willian to playing, be playing at relatively frequently. Not Reese Nelson. Uh, well, after he stayed Reese Nelson, of course, but you know, he, he should have, have higher aspirations than that should have gone somewhere on loan. Uh, but 
no use speaking about the past, eh? Uh, just important that we address it come the summer and the right decision is made. Uh, another youngster who's sort of a, a hot topic of debate at the moment is Gabriel Martinelli. Uh, hasn't featured since our nil-nil draw with, with Man United. What, what are your views on his situation? Um, I think it's the ultimate kind of, not fallback, but... Arteta, when we played our 3-4-3, loved utility players, you know? Loved players that would drift in and out of a position that would really kind of influence the game, that would rotate similar to what City have done now without a central striker, you know? Playing and attacking four or five or six that are going to be drifting around the pitch and making chances and, you know, plugging holes and doing whatever, but doing it in a way that isn't tactically legible for the other team you know it's very hard to interpret yeah um and i think martinelli you know didn't get much time then because of his uh was it a hernia or what was his issue he had it was a horrible knee ligament thing was it meniscus yeah Yeah, torn meniscus um or just messy uh which he tore in training which was so unfortunate but then you know coming back kind of into this period of transition, there are still questions being asked over whether he's a left winger or a striker and kind of what to do about that. You know, his goal scoring now is incredible. Um, We've seen what he can do in the Europa League. We've seen what he can do in the Premier League. He's talented. He's amazing. He's been slightly hampered by injuries, but also he is, you know, not surplus to requirements, but there is no cut and dried role for him in the team right now which I think is why yeah, Arteta is yeah. hesitant to put him in. Um, like, he's there's a reason Alba has started playing up front. It's because we need more technique and more creative flair out wide, you know, whether that's Pepe or Willian or whoever. Um, and Martinelli brings some of that, but his ball security isn't amazing. Um, you know, he's, yeah. what, still 19, right? Like, he has time. Yeah, yeah, still, still very he young. He has guy. time to work on it, but I think... One of the reasons there's so much pressure on his head as well is because this Arsenal team has set a precedent of playing Smith Rowe and Saka and these amazing young players. Even Tierney is 23. Gabriel is 22. You know, we have a bumper crop of young talent, including Martinelli, but because there is no cut and dried place for him within the starting lineup, he doesn't start and doesn't play. Yeah, that, that does seem to be the way it is. Um, but I think your assessment is correct, Mac. Um, you know, I th- it seems that Arteta has decided he's a striker now. And that makes sense, considering the first half of the season, we created absolutely nothing. So who can blame Mikel Arteta if he wants to create a system which has a few more creative players in it? No one. Uh, and, you know, I think we're all thankful that he's doing that because it's much more fun watching Arsenal. Uh, when we're scoring goals, making chances, etc. Um, so I personally don't have too many uh, like issues with the treatment of Martinelli. I think people are blowing it way out of proportion. They forget his age. They forget that not every youngster is Bakayo Saka. Not every youngster is, is capable of playing loads and loads and loads of football. Uh, and playing at a high level consistently. Saka is a bit of a freak, let, let's face it. Um, and we all love him for it, but it's it's not common uh, in, at, at a professional level for someone to be able to adapt so seamlessly to, to the men's game. Um, and that's a credit to Saka. And I'm not saying that that's not something Martinelli won't be able to do eventually. But I think looking after him is really important. And let's not forget, until the start of last season, he was playing in, what, the, the fourth tier of Brazilian football. I know he's a huge talent. Yeah, for Ituano. Uh, but, you know, let's give him his time. Let's let our manager who, you know, he's watched one of the best managers, sorry, not one of the best managers in the world, the best manager in the world in uh, Pep Guardiola, raise Phil Foden, cultivate him. And, and look at him now. He's so much so much stronger for the way he's been brought in. He wasn't thrown to the line straight away. He was carefully brought into the setup and that's where it being really beneficial for Foden. So hopefully Martinelli can, can benefit in a similar way. Uh, and, and, yeah. I don't. and if you, if you remember about Foden as well, um, and I'm sorry to interrupt, no but if you do remember about Foden, 
it was to the point where a lot of City fans were frustrated because they saw his talent and they saw his ability and he wasn't getting played enough. You know, And I, I understand Arsenal fan frustration as well. I'm frustrated. I yeah. Last week, I would have rather have seen him start over Willian. But Wouldn't I think we all? the manager... Yeah, we, we, we have to trust the manager. He knows best, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think there are exactly, you know, maybe one Arsenal fan who spends all of their time in and around the club watching the players train and that's you know Stuart afc the dude that takes the photos right yeah like yeah you know we don't spend time at the club we have no clue what goes on in training other than the brief little snippets we get and we do our best to interpret and understand but at the same time we are not the manager we can't control the team selection and if you know we have to trust arteta i personally do Okay, so talking about team selection, should should we run through the sort of team that we'd we'd like to see against Burnley? Let's do it. So I'll start with goalkeeper. I think um, it's pretty obvious that uh, Runar Renarsson will be starting on the weekend. Of course. Um, really? Only joking. I was surprised. <laughs> I thought it would be Carl Hine. Oh, really? Yeah, the the Estonian kid that nobody's ever heard of that sometimes plays for our U twenty threes. He's a great talent. <laughs> no, um, yeah. yeah, it'll uh, it'll be of Leno, course always of course Lena. Um, right back, we both agreed. Um, Cedric, I think earlier in the show. Yep. What about um, right centre back? I think it's up for grabs between Holding and uh, Louise. Who would you rather see start? I think I'd rather see Holding. I think Louise will start. Um, yeah, because if, if we're talking about you know, prediction, predicted lineup, it's, it's, it's Burnley. It's Burnley. Yeah, we need the passing range. We need some, you know, just an extra key to unlock that backline. Um, and to be fair, he put in a shift against Leicester and deserves another game because of that as well. He was good. He was good then. Yeah, I agree. I I, I thought Louise was superb last week, and uh, it's nice that. Uh, he scored a goal as well. We, we need more aerial threat from set pieces, and Louise does offer that in fairness. So, Lovely uh, header. Great header. Buried it very, very uh, convincingly. I think next to him, personally, I would like to see Gabriel come back in. I think he's sort of better suited to the physical challenge of Burnley. I definitely agree, and I think we'll, we, I think we'll certainly see Gabriel against Olympiacos because he proved against Benfica that his use of his body against physical forwards is second to none in yeah. our team. Um, and I think that is, you know, the same scope as Burnley. I mean, of course, they have yeah. injuries right now. Um, so we won't, I don't think we'll be seeing Ashley. I don't think we'll be seeing um, Sam Vokes. But, yeah. you know, uh, they've been playing Westwood and Vidra up top recently. And it's been not great. So I think they'll definitely try to throw a lot of size at us and see what we can handle. So I think it'll be good to have Gabrielle. I mean, then again, if Mary starts, I won't complain because Burnley aren't the quickest team and his lack of pace won't be awfully yeah. exposed. Um, although he did win a one-on-one against Jamie Vardy. Let's not forget. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. And then on to left back, I think it's, you know, it's a no-brainer. Tierney will start. He always starts. He should start. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I suppose the next talking point is Thomas Partey then. Does he come back in for this one or do you carry on preserving him ahead of um, Olympiacos? I think you've got to start him for a physical challenge like this. I think he could, you know, we've talked about Burnley's midfield. They've got workhorses, but I feel like Thomas Partey is just the sort of man who could beat that midfield on his own. I think... Yes and no, and it depends on how much he wants to use his feet. Um, yeah, I remember, and I'm forgetting the specific game. It was one of the ones that we lost. Uh, but he had a torrid time passing. He was just turning it over repeatedly. Um, and it was one of the games he started alongside Jaka. And so the question is, if he wants to beat the Burnley press on his feet, then fine. Please start him, you know? But yeah. I think at the same time, if, I'm not sure if you remember the second game that we ever saw Ceballos in um, and his first full start. He made a mockery of the Burnley midfield. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, So I think he could be... And it's the sort of game yeah. that he could do all right. Exactly. Uh, I think I'm going to agree with you. I would really like to see Partey. Um, 
and I would love to see him have a good, you know, one of his good games where he's really on it, on the ball, swift, you know, not turning over passes. I think it's really easy to fall into that Burnley trap where they just let you in and then pick off every ball that you're playing into the center. But yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm hopeful. Um, I think another element to consider is that, you know, against these teams that sit deep, you need variety. And Shaka and Sabahs are quite similar in their progression techniques, whereas Partey does, as you say, offer that uh, sort of ability to to beat a man and take someone out of the game. And that's really important against teams like Burnley. So uh, if you've got Thomas Partey at his best, he could be a very useful tool. Um, As for the number 10, I think it's got to be Erdegaard due to Smith Rowe's injury. Yeah, I mean, luckily the injury isn't too bad. Um, it looked no. like he was holding his nuts when he came off. Luckily, it's <laughs> luckily it's a hip. I say luckily, unluckily, it's a hip. Yeah. Luckily, it's not bad. Um, but he will yeah. definitely be rested. I think he probably could start against Olympiacos if he's feeling healthy. But at the same time, I would like to see Odegaard start anyway because I think he kind of is has that mastery of close control and really does have the ability to you know sit in there and kind of create the chances we need from what's going to be a very clogged center uh yeah yeah and we've also got 5 days until the olympic exactly. game that's um pretty sizable Euro- uh, recu- recuperation period so you know i think you can go full strength for for this one um and hopefully as well if you know it, in an ideal world, we, we put a few past them and then we can take off our better players. But, you know, that's an ideal world, of course, and likely won't be how things uh, entail because that's never how things entail uh, at Turf Moor. As for the right wing, you said earlier in the show, Bakayo Saka should come in. Uh, Without a doubt. Because, you know, yeah, because, you know, resting players for a few for one game yeah that's good but resting players for two games i think then might even increase injury risk uh because you still need that running in your legs i think yeah i think it's uh, it's at the point where you start to lose your edge you know yeah yeah uh and then i on the and then i think we've already even talked about left wing and right wing uh Pepe on the left, Aubameyang through the middle. Would you agree with that? Uh, that would be the lineup I would love to see start. And I think, you know, yeah. all things willing, that's what Arteta will do. Yeah. Okay, well, nice one. That's pretty much everything that uh, we needed to cover regarding the game. So this is the part of the show uh, that we like to call Spotlight. What should people look out for this week, Nick? Um Well, there's I have two things. And the first is a little bit of a joke answer. Um, because Man United did an accidental Instagram live where they just filmed their ad yeah. microwaving something, and I think that's just about the funniest thing ever. So if there there are clips of that all <laughs> over the internet, please go find that. Um, the second thing though is that I would really like you to watch out for Alexander Isak in the thank nice. you in La Liga. Um, Swedish striker, I want to say he's either 20 or 22, but I can't get it through my head. Um, but he is on a tear this season. Um, I mean, Sociedad have been great generally, but in 21 games, he has two goals and, or 12 goals and two assists. And he's just generally lighting it up. Um, and at the weekend they are playing, pardon me while I pull it up. They are playing. Well, first of all, they play Man United, um, I believe, at some point again soon. No, wait, that was under 32. I'm wrong. Never mind. They play Levante at the weekend. And Levante, not sure how much you know about La Liga, but they are notoriously weak defending. And so it's going to be an opportunity, I think, certainly for Isak to chip in, get some goals. He has formed a magical partnership with Mikel Oyazabal and David Silva, who just love having a striker yeah. that they can feed balls to and who will stick him in the back of the net. Feed, it's yeah. He's wonderful to watch. And I would recommend if you have the time to do it, do it. He's fantastic. Yeah, that that's a cool one. Um, I like him too. He, he puts up some very good numbers and I think he's someone we should be looking at to replace uh, Lacazette who looks like he could be leaving the club this summer. Um, my spotlight is uh, 
just for you guys to go and find uh, a highlight of Borussia Dortmund's goal last night in the um, in their quarterfinal match of the German Cup against Mönchengladbach. Wow, they scored a really special goal. Um, Don't remind me. I'm <laughs> so upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know you have a sweet spot for uh, Gladbach. Regardless, yes. um, what the ball through the um, Marco Royce score, uh, put, played, wow. It was so nice, the weight of pass and the one-touch football sort of getting the play forward. It was a really good counter-attacking goal, so, so go have a, a little peep at that. Uh, yeah, on the topic of Dortmund lunacy, really quick, they just yeah. posted um, their director of football has come out and saying that they think Holland might stay in the summer. <laughs> well, it worked are when we, they are, said are that about thinking, Holland. Uh, when they said that about Sancho. optimism? <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Right. I, I don't know who he'll go to because obviously finances will be a mess again. But um, Always. Yeah, he's got a pretty low release clause, I think. So he'll likely be off to a big club this summer, which uh, if it's anywhere in England, it will break my heart because I love the man. Uh, um, unless unless it's Leeds, because, you know, yeah, that his, dream, cool. his dream is to win the Champions League with Leeds, and I think that's just about the coolest thing ever. So, yeah. you know, I w- I'd love to see it happen. But if he starts lining up for Man United with Bruno Fernandes feeding the mouth, I'm going to be very bitter. Yeah, me too. Anyway, I guess before we go, what's your prediction for Saturday, Mac? Um, oh, it's going to hurt me to say it. I think it's going to be a one-one draw. Um, I just think you know Burnley are notoriously stodgy, and despite the fact that we are flying high right now, you know, yeah, unless unless it's an absolute demolition, I think we might just hit the brakes a little. Um, especially if Arteta rotates more than I'd like in, to prepare for the Olympiakos game. So, you know, mm. I'm going safe, but, you know, hopefully I'll be wrong is the best I can say. Yeah, yeah, I hope so yeah. too. What about you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a bit more optimistic. I'm, I'm really confident. I think that the fan lack of fans will help us because that seems to be something that hampers us away at Burnley. I'm going to say a 2-0 win. Uh, can't, they've, they're really poor going forward and I can't. That's so true. I can't see us conceding uh, if we're paying attention. That is, things could obviously go catastrophically wrong. So uh, we'll wait and see. Um, anyway, thank you for joining us for this edition of the Extra Cannon podcast. Please share, like, uh, tell your grandma about it because I know that she'd enjoy it. And um, yeah, uh, thank you once again for joining us. And as we said last week, feedback is really, really appreciated. Um, so thanks and goodbye. Have a lovely week. See you after Olympiacos. <laughs>